podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, this isn't the first time we started an episode like this, but there's no apology for the repeat because I have three very happy words for you. Snooker is back. Yes, we've been uh, we've been waiting for a little while, haven't we? I suppose we've had I don't want to call them false starts because you know we've had two ranking tournaments, haven't we? So they're they're important in their own right. But this feels like this feels like the final of the season is starting in earnest. I suppose, doesn't it? So yeah, we're very excited. I think that's right. In in earnest is the way to say it. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's been it's been a sort of yeah, it's been a very stop start season. I do think, in fairness. Give it three, four, five weeks' time, we'll have forgotten this kind of uh, quiet time. Maybe we shouldn't too much because that that guards us against, uh, you know, any complacency or about future years. And we must always, you know, try and, uh, in a sense, be wary of, of of this early part of the season because it's kind of the second year in a row that it's been fairly quiet. But yeah, I do. I do think naturally, when we've had a, a couple of really good events under our belt, champion and champions will be coming up. UK as well. We are now into pretty much wall to wall snooker. We'll be doing a lot of uh, reviewing and previewing on here. We've been dominated by guests, haven't we, for some time? But uh, and, and general sort of chat around the game, which we love. And you know, we're, I think we'll tend to make that our intention in the sort of warmer months here in the UK. But now heading into tournament snooker and Phil, the first time. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this. You can correct me if I'm wrong. That we've ever previewed two main tour events on the same episode of the pod. It, it's two for the price of none. <laughs> yeah, I saw that line you said the other day. It's a very good one. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. It's very rare to yeah, have a, a weekend event going straight into a week long one in the same venue. Um, yeah, all these things have probably have happened at some point. But I can't think of it. So uh, yeah, I guess it is our first double header. Um, so yeah. Uh, we've been saving up our previews for a while, so we can have two at once now. It reminds me to say again, that, you know, what really struck me when the World Mixed Doubles news came up, and of course the events to come are the World Mixed Doubles and the British Open, we will look forward to both those, as Phil said, in the same venue, is that, you know, not all snooker news is greeted with a <laughs> uniform delight, I think it's fair to say, across snooker fans. But this one kind of was, wasn't it? Because it is a good idea. It's a great concept. It really is. And we're looking forward to it a lot. We've been saying for a number of weeks now um, that uh, it, it's a terrific uh, uh, sort of format, idea. And we will look ahead to um, that World Mixed Doubles, the first of those two events, uh, shortly. We should say before that, that, of course, Monday would be our usual day of podcast uh, release, we do change it around from time to time, but generally we do like uh, to stick to uh, Monday. But we are speaking here on a, on a Tuesday morning, and it's very much a case of the morning after the day before here in the UK, because, of course, we have just seen the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Well, I must say that um, you know, wherever you stand on, on the royal family or, or your connection with the, with the moment, uh, there's no doubt about the, the, 
the size, the enormity of that of that television broadcast. I'm thinking particularly the BBC. I certainly was bowled over by the sheer gravitas of, of that of that uh, broadcast. Uh, one of the greatest, uh, I would say, in the history of television. And uh, as I said last week, it's important to note feelings are mixed in the UK. Not everyone has felt they're in mourning. And as I say, not everyone is connected with this particular time. But uh, the grandeur and power of that day certainly will stay in the memory. And millions are indeed saddened and will have paid a respectful farewell on a day to long remember uh, the funeral of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. So instead, as I say, we are here on a Tuesday, very much looking forward to the World Mixed Doubles coming this weekend. And we said it before, Phil, but on the main ITV channel, and the great news is, it's both Saturday and Sunday, 12.45 until 5pm. That is smashing exposure. Quite well timed, isn't it? Football, which is, we're talking about stop-start season, that's kind of what top-level football feels like at the moment with the death of the Queen. and We've had games postponed. Now it's an international break. So uh, it might be a, a bit of a flicking around afternoon. And that's really what we want more than anything, isn't it? People new to the game discovering it for the first time. Yes, I think so. That's um, I'm not sure how much by design that was. Credit to anyone who did uh, pick out that gap and jump in, jump into it. Um, but yeah, that is that is what we want. And I think you know, there's also talk, and it's true that sort of people's watching habits are very different, very much more diverse than they used to be in terms of where you watch uh, anything really. Um, but I think being on the main channel is a big deal still, as we know that when the B- when the World Championships on the BBC, uh, how much of a big deal it is. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll hopefully we're hoping for big viewing figures, and uh, pretty confident we'll get them because of its position and the, the general interest seems to be there. And they've done ITV and Will Snooker. They've done a, a really good job at promoting it. At least they seem to have. It's hard when you're sort of in the snooker bubble because you don't know how much it's trans- transcended beyond that. But it seems like there has been a lot of promotion for this event, sort of more so than your your average tour event. Yeah, and I'd really agree with that. And- yeah, I, I haven't had any exact word at all about, about the ticket sales, but I, I think I've heard a couple of optimistic kind of noises about that. I think uh, they will certainly be healthy, uh, to say to say the least, and it will be interesting to see because it's a nice size arena that actually, uh, presuming it's the, the exact same setup in terms of how big they would make those those stands. I, I went there for the... Uh, the English Open, wasn't it, last season? It holds so many different tournaments, MK. You have to be sort of remember which one it was. But it was the one where, where Neil won, actually, in that great final against John when he was losing at the end and won it. And it's a good size. I mean, it wasn't full for a lot of the week. You were there early, weren't you? Um, yeah. But by the time of the late matches, it, it was good. It was really... And the final was full. It's, an, it's a nice size. Not massive, but just that, you know, big enough to generate a real nice atmosphere. So... We'll really look forward to that. And it's been a good, let's say again, you know, MK, if any place deserves a nice tournament with nice crowds, it's MK. (laughs) Yeah, it's done a great job for snooker as a sport, hasn't it? Um, Yeah, that that sort of lockdown era gets remembered. uh, Not necessarily kindly for a number of reasons, but that wasn't Milton Keynes' fault. I mean, they they kept us going to an extent. So, yeah, um, I, I agree with that. And, um, yeah, I looked at the tickets, actually. I just looked at um, some of the ticket website this morning and uh, there are tickets still available, but um, it seems like it's mainly the sort of the back two rows on all sessions. So uh, 
yeah, they seem to have gone very well. So if you want to go, you, you still can. But um, it looks like the tickets have sold pretty well so far. And we'll get on to the British Open. But um, I think you can go to sort of early uh, in the midweek of the British Open for about a tenner. So if you're around Milton Keynes next week, that's very good value. Yeah, and I've noticed that we put a notice up on 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 the Talking Snooker Twitter feed a couple of days ago. I think we've had a, it's a lots of nice response on that. A lot of people are doubling up. They're, they're doing the, the, the late, well, say late doubles is very short, definitely two days. But they might be doing the final, or even both days, but so, so, a lot of them the final of, of the doubles, and then staying on. There's of course a hotel on site, and uh, people are doing that, or they're or they're staying close by. But a lot of them are on site, and they're. They're, they're watching the end because, of course, we'll come to this. But there's so much chance to see top top players early on. That I mean, that's that's the that it's not universally popular this idea of doing qualifiers earlier. But but the but the benefit is, of course, you see good players, don't you, Phil? And we were just saying off air, and we'll come to that next Monday at the Bushes Open. I mean, that's you know, wouldn't mind a ticket for that myself. Unfortunately, I'm busy. But if I if I was there that day, you you're rubbing your hands, aren't you? Yeah, I think that double header that you've mentioned of watching the Sunday of the mixed doubles and then staying on for the Monday of the British, you're seeing well, you're seeing those top four players in the world twice, uh, and you're seeing yeah the climax of one that that sort of historic first tournament this, and then just loads and loads of good matches on the Monday. So yeah, if uh, if you're sort of still thinking about going to Milton Keynes, that would probably be my recommendation. Those two days sounds great. <laughs> and we'll take a cut of each. Uh, <laughs> not too, we don't want to be too greedy. Just maybe like a twenty percent or something. Um, well, Phil, as, as we've been saying, it, it, mixed doubles is a great idea, really good concept. Uh, remind you about the teams: it's Ronnie O'Sullivan and Rianne Evans, Judd Trump and On Yi, uh, Mark Selby and Rebecca Kenner, and Neil Robertson and Nutrap Wongguatai or Mink, as we do generally tend to call her. And well, you've spoken with Rebecca Kenner. We don't we don't have to worry about Mark Selby's form on the practice table, do we, Phil? He's um he's uh, much we haven't seen the old Selby very often on the match table lately, but on the practice table he's flying. <laughs> yes, it did sound like that. I saw her post some photos of them playing together, so I thought I'd uh, give her a call and see how that went. Um and yeah, I think she's described it as he played about 20 frames. 15 centuries and a maximum. So <laughs> he's fine. He's all right. Um, and I mean, yeah, yeah, that's probably relatively normal for a man like Mark Selby. But I suppose the point was there that he's been struggling with a neck injury, hasn't he? He was, he was in pain at the European Masters and he was saying how he's got a bulging disc in his, uh, his neck. Um, so if there were worries about that injury, then uh, they've been uh, put to a side because she said he just sort of did some stretches and he was all right. Um, but yeah, that was good to see. Um, apparently, she spent a couple of days with him. Um, obviously, the practicing, but sort of building some sort of rapport. I think they'd met before. Actually, I know they'd met before. She said that. Mm. Um, but I think it seemed like more, more. He was just like putting her at ease about stuff, and she said she felt much more relaxed going to the tournament now um, than she did before those couple of days. And I think she, because when she plays her shot, they're like she's like to be followed by. Judd or Ronnie or Neil, which I think was probably quite intimidating. Um, I think she was saying that she was thinking, oh, I'd, I'd always want to try and play a good safety because if I'm worried about missing and leaving one of them in, then, you know, you're in trouble. But Mark was sort of trying to put her ease and saying, I'll just play your own game. You're not there to just sort of play miserable containing safeties all the time, you know, try and play, try and play your own stuff and enjoy it. So I think it, that all came out well. And, um, 
Like, I don't know how much impact that'll have. But I was looking at the, the betting and they're sort of comfortable for favourites. But if they spend that time together and, you know, they've got that sort of relaxation and uh, it could be in a good place. So, you know, if, if you're looking for a, a punt on a long shot, maybe it's those two. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, a, you know, involved enough in that world to know. I imagine it's not the best event to bet on because it is so unpredictable generally. But I'm glad you you made those points and did that interview because I, I listened back, I think, this to our last episode. And I think I was a little bit, not flippant, that's a bit over the top, but I was a little bit too dismissive of, of, of the tactics on that will be on show. And I think actually there is a, there will be a benefit of getting together because even to feel comfortable with each other, very important, of course. I mean, just thinking back to when I was growing up and, and the, the Hofmeister doubles, uh, that wasn't mixed doubles. It was, it was, it was, um, it was the sort of main tour doubles when uh, Steve Davis and Tony Mio uh, teamed up so brilliantly. And they were great pounds back in the day. They, they, they really got well. They had a great chemistry and that was part of it. I mean, of course they're two top players, but, you know, that, that was all sort of, their camaraderie was part of the whole success, I think. Alex Higgins and Jimmy White won that event as well. Um, they were sort of great pals. So, yeah, I think Rebecca was on here and said, she suggested, I think Mark was already the one she knew the best out of the four. But now, yeah, you're right. This you know, this could be could be a big deal. I don't know if the others are going to have much of a chance to get together at all. So, yeah, could well be uh, stealing a march. And, well... We should say that the, the the pairs are all playing each other in the round robin stage, aren't they? For the first kind of three sessions, um, and they're best of four matches, aren't aren't they? But they play all four with a point mm-hmm. one for each frame, and then the top two, I think I'm right in saying this, are going through. Well, I know the top two are going through, but I think I'm right in saying it's all four frames, isn't it? And the top two then go through to the final, and that's a that's a best of seven frames uh, match. Well, <sighs> again. We are doing quite a lot of repeating, but I, I make no apologies. The exposure for the top female players is massive in this. The number of times I've seen people, general sports fans, say they've never seen a female player on television. That's what's at stake here. It it really is. Can't be said enough. And well, on and Mink, of course, both had victories on the main the main tour now. Uh Rianne Evans, we know all about, multiple world champion. Uh, Rebecca Kennett, tournament winner, as she was very careful to remind us on here, and of course recently reached the final of the US Women's Open. So uh, for them, it's absolutely massive, and we you know we really look forward to seeing them on the big stage. And I'm sure they'll they'll grace the big stage, knowing them as as we do. Um, as for the four men, well, all superstars, and 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 their, and their brilliance is not in doubt for a moment. But they're sort of unknowns form wise, aren't they, Phil? I mean, you know, Mark's doing well in practice, as we heard there, but. Yeah, he's not been particularly great since when we've seen him on the match table. Uh, we've barely seen Ronnie since he won that famous seventh world title. We've not seen Neil Robertson at all. Uh, Judd's uh, looked half decent at times. But again, you know, it wouldn't be a massive surprise, certainly early on, uh, you know, when, when it gets underway on Saturday, if they're not all flying. Yeah, that's fair. They've, they've, uh, they've not played much or at all for months, have they, on on uh, in tournament play, I'm sure they've been on the practice table. Even Ronnie, I've seen on some some Ronnie social media that he's been on the practice table, which you know is quite rare sometimes for him to to show that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, you you wouldn't be surprised if any of them come and start blisteringly because they're all so good. But also, as you say, you wouldn't be surprised if they're 
not quite at their best because they're just not uh, not in rhythm. They're probably not at their sharpest. I'd be very surprised if they are. Um, but yeah, they'll have they'll have definitely been practicing hard because I think both both ways. Uh, sort of the female players will certainly feel pressure of playing with those superstars, but the guys will also because they won't want to let down their partners. And it's a big big tournament, a big exposure. So they'll have all been working hard. But yeah, we'll see uh, how, how sharp they are. They might uh, they might take a few shots to get going. And um, yeah, the, the, the female players will have to get used to playing on the TV table, you know, not just the sort of pressure of it, but um, they won't have been on table one, as it were, that often. They won't have played under TV lights that often. And it's all, it's all very different stuff that the top four in the world rankings are very used to, but um, it, it will take some getting used to. And I'm sure they'll, uh, you know, they'll lose the white ball once or twice just because of the conditions rather than they've played a terrible shot. So, yeah, I think maybe the first few matches will uh, make, might take some easing into, but as I say, they're also good. You also wouldn't be surprised if they start amazingly, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, and I've been taken, and this is not a great surprise, but it's it's really good to see. I've been taken by just the, the noises and the and the words that the, the female players have, uh, have been speaking. They're so up for it, you know, mm. as soon as... Rebecca said it when she was a guest on here in, in the summer. As soon as she heard it, bring it on. You know, what brilliant news. She couldn't believe it. You know, this is wonderful. And uh, the, the, Rianne did an interview with WST in recent days as well. And she's all, also speaking about it in such, you know, positive terms. Cannot wait. This is brilliant. You know, the, what, 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 what a chance to, you know, really show what we can do on the, on, on, on the sort of big stage. The biggest stage, really. Uh, we said it before, you know, but on ITV... Uh, uh, you know, I know we're, we're not not everyone listening to us is in the, U, in the UK, so let let let's just clarify. You know, there are two major free to air broadcasters here in the UK, uh, the BBC and ITV, and ITV have tended to show snooker on ITV Four, which is a a, a free to air channel here in the UK, but it's never going to be as accessible as those channels that are right on the top of the dial, if you like, and even now it. it it sounds so mad, but you put stuff on BBC One and ITV and it'll get viewers just because it's on there. You know, you switch sport from two to one, you put two million on straight away, you know, like a Wimbledon match or something. Well, Andy Murray, you know, they'll switch it to one. Suddenly more people are watching just because it's on one. It's, it's mad like that. So it's brilliant. You know, it's, it, it, it's the first time since Reliably Informed, since the Champions Cup, in August 2001, presented by Russ Williams. And to put it into, into perspective, Phil, for sort of general sports fans out there, it was the same week as the Premiership launched. ITV's then, well, only three seasons long, a new highlight show, Andy Townsend in that famous truck, of course, that got quite a lot of stick at the time. Uh, I remember Des Lyon opening it up, better for you, better for all of us. But Des unusually was wrong, of course. They had a, an early evening Saturday experiment. But they dumped it by the t before the clocks went back and because uh, the viewing figures weren't very good. And they decided to put on, well, I think Scylla, Blind Date, or whatever the big shows were instead, uh, because the premiership just didn't really work in that early Saturday evening slot. Uh, but, yeah, it feels like a long, long, long while ago, doesn't it, Phil? You remember the, 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 old, the old tactics truck? It, it, that, 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 it, if ever... A footballing initiative on television took a lot of a stick and banter. That was it. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess they had to try something new to sort of differentiate themselves, but yeah, it didn't quite work. I remember the, was that the credits with U2 singing Beautiful Day? Was that the premiership? I think that actually went down quite well, although I'm certainly not a U2 fan, but I think that, that, that bit of it is remembered fondly. Yeah. No, that was a good, very good theme, actually. I mean, they had a lot of good things in place. Des Lyon, and not, not, not least, yeah. of course, the, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, television sports presenter of all time. And, and some top pundits, you know, um, top top commentator, Clive Tills, he would have been their number one commentator, other good ones as well. So they had all the ingredients in place. But I think, you know, we're gonna, let's, let's get back to snooker in a moment. But I think <laughs> people are used to that 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m. slot. And it's been that way for, you know, not, not just a handful of years, but, but generations. People expect match of the day or the big match back in ITV days on the, on the Saturday night. It was a... It was a lot to get used to a, a different slot and people were on their way back from games and couldn't watch. But I remember one thing they did, which a lot of people were very critical about. I mean, it was very ITV. Do you remember when Manchester United were 3-0 down against Tottenham and came back to win 5-3? I think Sir Alex Ferguson once said it was his favourite United uh, game. Amazing game. But ITV did a classic thing where they they did it the last in the programme. So it was constantly coming up, we'll have Tottenham Manchester United view. But viewers were annoyed, of course, because they're used to, you know, what the tradition really is to put the best match up top. You know, that's that's how you sell the programme. But they were like, no, we'll keep you hanging on. And but again that didn't go down well. But anyway. Is that the lads it's Tottenham team talk or is that a different game? Um I think Lance it's Tottenham would be a, a more general thing and you know, I don't think it was that Pacific match. No, um, I think it may have been, it was a different game, but I think it was a general ethos at the time that, yes, I think Tottenham was seen to be a bit of a soft touch, weren't they? Really, not 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 just by United, but generally in football. And yes, Lancet's Tottenham became became a quite a famous line, <laughs> but but that was yeah, quite 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 a game. And but the typical of ITV proving late, but, but that didn't really work. It lasted three seasons. I went back to the BBC. But who'd have thought then? I mean, we knew ITV were drifting away from snooker. That was the kind of the way the channel was going at the time. But who'd have thought that 21 years would pass before we'd see snooker again on the main channel? But it should say that, of course, that snooker's been on ITV now for around a decade. And it's covered absolutely brilliantly. A lot of snooker fans are always saying to me and to us that it's their favourite channel now for snooker. Um, and listen, BBC, ITV and Eurosport, in their own way, all do snooker brilliantly. But it's, you know, it's testament to the excellence of ITV that for many people, this is their favourite uh, channel to watch the game on now because there's, you know, great, great names, great voices, many friends of ours, of course, and uh, and, and, and they'll no doubt cover the cover this event in, in exemplary fashion. I mean, it's just good to be back, isn't it? You know, let's just say it again. We, we, we had a lot of snooker and, you know, it's a real chance. How many? One, two, three, nine days in a row, isn't it? Nine back-to-back days. We have, we'll have other, other snooker as well. We'll mention that later on, although when we come to any other business, there's various events going on. You know, This game is never totally quiet, of course, but it, it has laid dormant main tour-wise for quite a while. So we're just going to, you know, it, the most important thing, who wins, but it, it's also important just to be back and just to be seen, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, with this... There's so much interest in this event, brand new event. As, as you know, when the British Open came back last year, there seemed to be a lot more interest in that because it's something well, not entirely new because it was old but brought back. Um, so yeah, it's not this feels like a 
a proper curtain raiser for the, as we said earlier, the season in earnest. So, yeah, it's a big deal. And, yeah, you're right, I echo all that stuff about ITV. It's always brilliant. It's on there, as it is on the other channels, but it's got its own sort of feel to it, hasn't it, uh, on ITV, which uh, everyone seems to like. Just the colours and stuff. Everything seems blue. I don't know, that's what I always think of when I think of IG, ITV Stuka now. So, yeah, yeah, we just can't wait. It's going to be good. Yeah, great concept, great idea. We're really looking forward to it and... As I say, there is history. Remember those that Hofmeister doubles in the 80s when I was growing up. And also, well, the last winner of a mixed doubles event, which uh, was in 1991, Steve Davis and Alison Fisher. I mean, Alison Fisher was an absolutely wonderful player back in the day. She moved to Paul, didn't she? And, did, and then did very well in that. But that's a pretty unbeatable team, that. <laughs> those two, isn't it, at the time? Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, and I, I guess... It's not quite the same because they're all great. They're all great teams in this. But Ronnie and Rianne was kind of the the showbiz one that maybe we wanted to see, didn't we? Because they're they're the they're the respective biggest names on either side, aren't they? So if you if you have a dream team or a dream pairing, it, it's it's those two. So I mean, you mentioned the betting there. I imagine they're they're, they're very much the favourites. But um, they are just ahead, yeah. And I think I mean, they're, yeah, they're a bit ahead. And then sort of Neil and Mink and Judd and Anya are just behind. Level pegging, and then Mark and Rebecca are behind them. But um, what's the what's yeah. the odds on Mark and Rebecca? I think they were six to one, which um, you know, seems yeah. As I say, it's so unpredictable. Um, not sure how much that will you know make a difference those practice sessions, but it certainly can't hurt. So yeah, I mean, if you were looking for a punt, then uh, I guess it would be them. But um, yeah, I think that's how they see it. Ronnie and Rihanna heads then. Um, Neil and Mink and Judd on you just about level pegging, then Mark and Rebecca behind. But yeah, yeah, um, I think it's very, very hard to say, isn't it? We've never seen it before, uh, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, no, no doubt, Ronnie and Rianne would be the obvious, the obvious choice to be favourites. But no, Rianne's not been in probably. I think it's fair to say not as good form as Onye and Mink over the last year. They're the ones that have won games on tour. Uh, Mink's the women's world champion, so um, yeah, it's certainly not clear cut by any means. No, of course. And it will take some getting used to for all of us, actually. And it, you know, there could be, well be an element of it being stilted, certainly earlier on, and struggling to get rhythm because it will be unusual for everyone, even the players. Uh, but I'm sure that we'll, we'll still see some, some, some real quality and some good breaks as well, certainly as the, as, as, as the, as the days develop. And, 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 uh, and we really look forward to it. And Phil, maybe it's time we say, Good luck to everyone involved in the doubles. Have a great time if you're going. And maybe over to you for part two. <laughs> yeah, the British Open. And really looking forward to this as well. I really enjoyed last year um, when that came on and it got a lot of stick for being best of fives. But I think generally, I'm not to speak for everyone here, but it went down a lot better than even people who were sort of critical of the format thought it was going to be. Um a great winner in Mark Williams, obviously some memorable moments, but it's back and it's very different this time around. So I think um, it should be even better because this time one, rounds one to four are best of seven, then best of nine in the quarters, best of 11 in the semis, and then a full best of 19 in the final. So um, that's certainly a proper tournament, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't actually like saying that. I think all tournaments are sort of proper tournaments. You know, you can argue which one you like more, but this one um, can't have too many critics. Um, and we're in on Monday. We've had qualifying already a few weeks ago, which it just sort of, 
disjoint things a bit, doesn't it? Because there's already a few, quite a few players out. The likes of Stephen Maguire, Ali Carter, Marco Fu, uh, Milkins, Tom Ford. There are just a few that I wrote down that are notably out already. Um, but then we've got the top 16 playing their round one matches uh, on Monday. Um, but we've already had the top second round draw as well. So we've got a few either ors to come to. Um, but yeah, the one one thing it does keep from last year, which I think people generally like, I know a few players said it was good and I quite enjoy, is the random draw at each round. Um, so that's why we've got some pretty big names in round one, which we haven't come to yet. Um, so we've got Mark Selby against Ricky Walden, Hossein Fai against Joe Perry, um, Luca Bracel against Graham Dot. You know, these are pretty... Pretty big hitting round one draws. Um, and then it's the same every round, just a random draw. So you never know who's going to get who. Um, so, yeah, it's there's lots to look forward to, isn't there, I would say? Oh, very much so. And, I mean, I'm looking through this list here and heavens above, as I say, if you're going next Monday, have a, have a great day. I mean, if you're a snooker fan, you can't, you can't fail to have a great day. As you've been mentioning, the tickets are very reasonably priced. And, uh, you know, I say, if I had the... T- the time and the inclination. Mondays tend to be generally very busy days for me, but uh, but uh, I would think about going myself, and it's it's terrific actually. And well, Mark Selby, Ricky Walden, so you know, the first meeting they had was at the Crucible fifteen years ago. Phil, I noticed that was wow. a, that was sort of Mark reaching the final, which is a little bit forgotten. They reached that 07 final, I think, mm. quite a few years before his big run of of um, success, of course. But yeah, that was that was an interesting one, and Shelby's head-to-head record is superior as you might expect. But Walden certainly had plenty of wins against against Mark. Well, Anthony McGill Wu Yisa, that's a that's a nice one, isn't it? I mean, heavens above. I mean, Wu Yisa's had some you know really good wins this season already. He's beaten Ryan Day, beaten Luca Purcell, so that that's that's one to really look forward to. Mark Williams uh, and Andres Petrov, and you mentioned Williams, the defending champion. He didn't play well last year, did he? That's 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 the that's the thing. He he really didn't. I remember it early on. He was scrapping as a couple of times. He, sh- he probably should have lost. Really, played better in the final. He beat Gary Wilson in the final, didn't, didn't he? But didn't didn't play well. But what what a good trick! What a good trick! That's what, yeah. that's what those true greats have got up their sleeve. That uh, that you can say that they didn't really play very well, but still ended up with the silver at the end of the tournament. Well, uh, Petrov, of course, is one of those that really um, was the mo- one of the most vociferous, wasn't he, about this new guaranteed prize money. He's saying what a massive difference it's going to make to him. Mm. And uh, so we'll, he's still waiting for a first win on tour, but uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. And then Sean Murphy, Gary Wilson, uh, well, the first time they played for four years. Last time they played, Wilson won, actually. Wilson, of course, the finalist in this event last year. So, yeah, I'm going to come to come to next Monday night shortly, but um, just shows, doesn't it, Phil? As we've been saying, that's uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck, whatever that rather ugly old phrase is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is that is the benefit. I, I, I mean, I preferred everyone going to the the venue at the same time, but um, yeah, with this situation, you are guaranteed for these absolutely blockbuster opening days of tournaments where all the big names are in. Yeah, the whole top sixteen playing on Monday is amazing. Really, I think Sean Murphy, who's got Gary Wilson first round this time, um, Murphy played Selby first round mm-hmm. last year as well, didn't he? So. Uh, I think Sean is a fan of these random draws, but he's been handed some stinkers already. Really has, yeah. He must be he must be wondering what what um what uh, I don't know who's doing the draw. It was would it be Ivan Hersovich and Alfred mm. Body Bissett and whoever it was. Well, they must he must be saying, "Come on, you know what's going on here." I'm, I'm <laughs> but yeah, no. It, I wonder how they'll televise it this time. I, I we saw it from about the last sixteen last time. I think it was a 
maybe it'll probably be about that again. It was actually, I, I, I think I and we made the point that we might like to see more than last year, but then it was pointed out, I think absolutely right, that actually they're quite long, some of those earlier ones, to do on telly, which I, I, I take that on board, really. So maybe we'll see it at the latter stages again. But I love that. You know, it's, you know, you don't have, you don't have to be the world's biggest football fan to, to understand the sort of, um, the sort of magic of FA Cup draws, for example, when you know you could get a non-league team, um, and then you know playing a you know a top division, a Premier League side, mm-hmm. there's no non-league players here. Let's get that. Let's get that clear. But there, but there were there were players, you know, f- far far down the rankings who could play one of the superstars of the game, and that's what we're sort of seeing. And that, and that's that's great, isn't it, Phil? That that that's the kind of you know. We say it time and time again, innovation, variety, different formats. And it's really, you know, this is the very good example of that. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, those draws are just a good good chance to sort of, um, it's just a bit of drama to it, isn't it? They do it at the UK Open. I remember last year we spoke a lot about the UK Open darts for this because that's sort of seen as the FA Cup of darts. And at the end of each round, they get, they do the draw on the stage. So it's great for the fans and they show it live and they get, you know, a couple of legends on there doing the draw. So it's all part of the drama and something to watch. So yeah, why not, why not make the most of that? It's harder in snoop because logistics are so much more difficult, but um, yeah, if they can do it on TV, which they did in the later rounds, I remember Rob doing it last year, Rob Walker. So yeah, hopefully they'll make the most of that again this time around. Um, and yeah, we haven't mentioned him yet, but Monday evening, um, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Alexander Ersenbacher, which is always an interesting draw because the Swiss number one has a has a winning record against the Rocket. Um, played three, he's won two of them, and Ronnie's only one came in the Championship League. So a lot of times when you do these head to heads, people just uh, chop out the Championship League. So on some people's cards, that'll be two nil to Ersenbacher. Yes, and not many players on tour can say. Is it Peter Lyons has got that record of? of, of... Is he has he got a superior record against all the class of Nike too? I could be wrong. That, that certainly was right at some point. Whether that's been uh, rectified at all yet, but he's got a tremendous record. Yeah, um, and he's actually he came up while I was just looking at the qualifying of this because um, he beat Rob Milkins four 0 to reach this stage. Was cracking win for Peter. So yeah, no, he does have a he does have a great record against all those superstars. <laughs> well, yes, Ersenbacher beat O'Sullivan. Uh, yes, as. As you say, it's it's two against one if you count the championship league. He beat O'Sullivan at the at the, at the Welsh Open in twenty nineteen, uh, and UK Championship in twenty twenty. That was um remember that guy's the, the, the unfortunately that behind closed doors tournament. So um yes, that that's that's quite something for him. Uh, we'll see if he can build on that with another win here. Ronnie will start as favourite, of course, but uh, yeah, that could be a very interesting one. Uh, Kyron Wilson, Mark Davis is another. Uh, match that we'll look forward to next Monday night. Kyron, full of confidence, of course, after his European Masters success uh, last month. Uh, Jack Lazowski, Dominic Dale, that's a kind of um, <laughs> bit of a contrast in styles. They haven't played for eight years. Dale won both their two previous meetings in China. Now, I can't guarantee what kind of form Dominic will be in in terms of how he plays snooker, but I know what form he'll be in generally. Very entertaining, Phil. You can't take your eyes off Dominic. Yeah, and I think um, his sort of TV time on the table is probably sort of uh, few and far between now, really. So I think he'll he'll relish being on there and putting on a bit of a show. And yeah, that should be a good game. And Lasowski is another one we haven't seen much of so far this season. He, he took a while to get going last season, so he'll, he'll hope to be uh, firing a bit earlier. But um, yeah, as always, his best of sevens, um, they're all banana skins, especially for the top players who haven't played as much as 
the lower ranked players. But yeah, that should be an interesting one. Sort of a not quite a local derby, is it? But not a million miles away. Now I've got I've got a test for you. One of those very boring ones that if you know it, it will be no fun. If you don't, it might be it might be a bit of fun. Um, John Higgins has got Andy Hicks. Now, guess the year of their first meeting. Oh. Uh, 1994. That is an outstanding guess. It's actually 95, the Thailand oh. classic. That was an excellent guess, Phil Hay. <laughs> Hats off to you there. Um, and, well, yes, that's, they've both been on tour a, a long, long time, those two. Andy Hicks had that great one at the UK last year, didn't he, if memory serves. Uh, very much so. Mark Allen, Stuart Carrington also on, on that night. Barry Hawkins, uh, uh, Dwayne Jones. Hawkins, of course, a recent finalist, uh, that one that Tyron won. So he's a... He, he'll, he'll probably do what he normally does, which is go massively under the radar and then come about the, come about the Friday night will suddenly be like, wait a sec, Barry Hawkins is in this. We haven't mentioned it. <laughs> we'll get him on here one day, Phil. Uh, yeah, that'd be great, yeah. That, that that'll be once he gets on talking snooker, there'll be no more talk about Barry going under the radar. Yeah, um, get him on that radar. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hossein Mufai, Joe Perry, you mentioned a couple of times. Um, Hossein Mufai actually won 4 3 the last time they met at the English Open a couple of years ago. And Judd Trump, uh, C. Troy He, uh, where obviously, um, we'll, we haven't seen too much of Judd as we say, but we'll see him first at the doubles. So we'll have an idea certainly of his form going into that match. And I guess that. You know, those big four, if you call them that, um, you know, it, it can't it can't hurt, can it? That that that, that they've um of course Neil's not in this, is he? But the other three, um I think Neil just didn't enter. I think Yeah, didn't, yeah he's sort of really ta- tailoring his season, he just yeah, didn't play this one. So the other three will, will no doubt have you know, it's, it can't hurt, can it, to go into a nice, nice bit of form. I should say, of course, this is also an ITV. This this event mm. is ITV four, so it's back to back events. If you're in the UK on free to wear television, a few people saying, you know, well, what's our option if they're overseas? Well, they are various and complex. He says, passing the buck. <laughs> so if you if you do check with WST, they tend to have details on their website. But there are all sorts of ways. I mean, Matchroom Live is a service that um, comes to mind that, that I certainly watched events on when I've, I've been abroad in the last year or so. Um, and so do check WSC. There will be ways to follow um, these tournaments. Uh, but obviously here in the UK, we can look. And as oh, and as has as been pointed out to us, across much of Ireland too, so of course. And indeed Scandi. I've been to Scandi and, and noticed that ITV is often on in places there. So, you know, there will be places you can see it. But predominantly, of course, here in the UK, back-to-back events uh, for ITV. And well, your mate Dave Dave Gilbert, Phil, next Tuesday has got Lou Haushan. And yeah, a good winning qualifiers actually. Dave beat Aaron Hill 4 0. Lou Haushan beat Mark King in qualifiers. So an interesting one. And Jordan Brown on year. Now that's the reward for on year, isn't it? After beating Ken Doherty in the qualifiers. So that's going to be a really interesting one. Jordan Brown had a, had a really close one against uh, Pang Jung Su actually in the qualifiers, winning that 4 3. So it'll be great to see on year there. Yeah, and uh, potentially a good chance for her to, you know, maybe get another win. Uh, Jordan's a great player. We know what he did at the Welsh Open that time. But um, Anya will obviously have uh, been playing all weekend in the mixed doubles. So hopefully we'll uh, maybe picked up some confidence there. You know, I mean, she might be coming off winning it with Judd and then straight into that against Jordan at the at the British Open. So, well, I mean, that's uh, 
yeah, that might not happen. So we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, it could be a great few days for her. So yeah, that'd be interesting. She'd be um beat Ken Doherty in the qualifying, didn't she? So that was a, a great win for her. Um and yeah, she should be feeling good. Um and unless unless anything goes disastrously wrong over the weekend, then playing those games will certainly help her going into the British. So yeah, that'll be certainly one to watch. Indeed. Now, uh, Anthony Hamilton, Jamie Clark's n- not a match I'd want to put my life savings on, Phil. That, that, <laughs> that's an unpredictable one, to say the least. It's, uh, I think it's their first ever meeting, actually. And then we're getting to some of those either wars. Um, Dean Young up against Judd Trump or C. Chuaihi. So um, either tricky or, 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 or very, very, very hard for Dean. Uh, and then, well... Next Wednesday's a good match. Matthew Stevens against Tetshire on New. Only met once before at the China Championship five years ago. Stevens winning that match 5-2. But that's a, that's a really nice match. I always enjoy watching Matthew Stevens. He's obviously uh, had a birthday, I think, in recent days. I think I saw. I think he might be 45 now. So heavens above. Um, Matthew's been in our, in, our, in our snooker lives for an awful long time against the ever exciting but uh, ever well often erratic tetrio on new never quite sure what we're going to get with him but that could be a very interesting one i don't, I don't know if you've seen that video that was floating around i think mark dunn posted it from darling it was amazing the feet yeah. the feet not moving yeah stretching, no, I, stretching for that black was was brilliant yeah I, I don't know how hard that is for these top players but I mean, unfathomable for people like us so yeah I mean, if you haven't seen it have a look on twitter or instagram i think i saw it uh, Tep Jai just clearing the colours without moving his feet once, uh, which is amazing, really. And it, there was a video of him completing a one four seven where he sort of stands on one leg or something. He plays the cue under his leg or something. Uh, he's just a ma- incredibly talented player, and he's. Uh, I know fans of him, and it, as everyone is a fan of him to an extent, I guess. But it's frustrating that he doesn't sort of win more matches because the, the talent he's got is just immense, really, isn't it? How long would it take if we? were told we had to keep our feet in certain position for our matching leads. I mean, we'd be there till Christmas, wouldn't we? But I'm just clearing <laughs> the colours without that restriction is hard enough for us, isn't it? So I don't know, it would be a long time. Oh, man. We are playing, by the way, in a few weeks. Um, actually, we, our match was arranged for yesterday, Monday, here in the UK, the, the actual day of, of Queen Elizabeth's funeral. So... Um, we, we have taken a rain check. We will do that in a, in a few weeks' time in Leeds. So, and, and, and we'll talk about it, won't we? Mm-hmm. And, um, hopefully I won't be in a sulk this time. Um, I wasn't too much in a sulk. I dealt with it okay. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a good match. How much sneaky practice have you been doing? I'm looking at you in the eyes. I've, I've definitely played more this year than the year going to the previous one. But, yeah, so... Uh, no, no sort of practice. I've not gone and done any lineups or anything, but I've had a, the odd game with a mate. But the quality, of course, is terrible. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, I was expecting the quality to be um, to be uh, not great. We, we got a referee though, by the way. Uh, yes, celebrity guest referee, friend of another podcast. We 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 poached Dave Tindall without even asking permission of, of <laughs> Dave Hendon. We we've said you know we're, we're none of none of he's going to pop up as a voice actually, but. He's certainly going to pop up as a, as a referee to to ensure scrupulous fair play. I don't know, I don't think he quite knows what he's in for. I mean, because <laughs> Dave's really good, and we sort of said, <laughs> I think he's thinking, oh, it might be a couple of hours. It could be closer to four, like it was. I mean, we didn't even play seven frames. We played six frames last time. Yeah, nearly four hours. So, um, get get ready, Dave. <laughs> 
don't drink too many liquids before. Get yourself prepared. It could be a long old slog. Yeah, that's true. Bring a spare pair of white gloves in case you need they wear through over the over the session. <laughs> <laughs> but but the other one to talk about next Wednesday, actually, the winner of that Sean Murphy Gary Wilson match play Zhang and uh, of course a full list of matches you can see on the WSC website or at uh, snooker.org um bemusing aren't they the early stages of these events even with some of the qualifiers taking place before it's sort of match after match I said before as a newsman I love that you, you never get bored there's always stuff to report on to talk about but um you know the mists start clearing on about the Thursday and then into the Friday I, until then it's all just absolutely mad which I do I say I do like I relish and yeah, very different to last year. I mean, the only thing you know similar is the, is the name, really, because the, for, the format is absolutely different in, in terms of numbers of frames. Um, but, um, yeah, best of five was an interesting experiment, but longer this time. And, yeah, virtually impossible to predict when, when you get these, these events in terms of any position. There's so many top players. And uh, what we usually find, of course, is there's lots of shocks. And then most of the time, come the sort of final two or three days it's the big hitters that tend to make it through but but of course to say when you've got an outlier like Mark Williams last year not even playing well and still winning it that just shows you know you you can't put on a predicting hat for too long with this one no not too much yeah I think that's right with a lot of tournaments only you see a few big names falling early on and you think oh could be anything going on here and then you get to the last eight you're like oh it's all quite quite recognizable but yeah we'll see I think one match we haven't noticed, we haven't mentioned, which, you know, not too long ago would have been one that you wouldn't have mentioned, but Peter Lyons against Zhao Gudong after their sort of set two at the Northern Ireland Open qualifying. Yeah. Uh, was that a couple of years ago now? Probably was two years ago now. Um, but, um, yeah, so sort of a, a grudge match there, you could say. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, I'm sure it'll be played impeccably. But, uh, yeah, it's become an interesting one after, after what happened there. Indeed it has, and... Well, we'll just look forward very much to the the British Open, and it's as I say, it's 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 part of a of a double that we're really looking forward to. And well, Phil, I think we should maybe move on actually, and and, and maybe speak about your interview done with Louis Heathcote in, uh, in in recent days, which is an absolutely terrific read. I, I encourage anybody to go to your Twitter feed or to look up on Google and you can see he's been talking, hasn't he, about how hard it's been on tour financially. And if you want an insight into how much difference it's going to make across the tour, this is a very good place for you to start. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, he was, he's always good to chat to Louis. Um, play, you probably haven't seen loads on TV, but he's, he's very, very good. Um, he won Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, um, which shows how good he is. Um, but yeah, he, but spoke openly about how difficult it is it when you're not winning matches very often. You know, he's he's won one match so far this season, which was to qualify for Northern Ireland, but then you don't get paid until after Northern Ireland. So he hasn't he hasn't been paid anything from Snooker since April in the World Championship. So um, you know, it's <laughs> just imagine it in your own lives, isn't it? You? You know, not been paid since April. It's 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 mad really. And he is taking up shifts at his club, you know, working behind the bar and doing what he what he can do, but it's very, very difficult. So um yeah, this news of uh, the 20 grand that people are guaranteed and you can get and you'll probably have to pay it back because you'll probably owe, uh, you'll probably earn over 20 grand over the season. But it's certainly a great safety net and he doesn't have to worry about borrowing money to put petrol in his car to go to tournaments for a while. You know, it's as bad as that. 
Um, so yeah, uh, it, yeah, have a read of that. It's very eye-opening about sort of what life's like at the uh, the bottom half of the tour, really. Um, and yeah, hopefully it'll. Uh, you know, it's not just the sort of oh, it's good for his bank account. Hopefully, it improves his snooker as well because you're not you're not playing matches thinking I've got to pop this ball so I can pay my phone bill for the month and stuff like that you know which is just insane pressure to play under so uh um yeah uh that was good to hear from louis um he's not playing the british open this week but we'll see him at the i think it's the scottish open qualifiers coming up and then um yeah he qualified for for belfast which is a great one to qualify for so keep an eye out for him there no and i mean a lot of players are on tour popular but i really noticed how many were saying in response to your piece what a great great laddie is lovely guy and they all sort of wished him well. Some of the biggest names in the game were saying that, actually. Uh, Mark Williams, I think, among them. So I was pleased. Do you know what, Phil? This is a testament to your piece, actually. Sometimes you... you oh, there's, oh, there's a couple of killer lines there. There are so many great quotes. I'm just going to pick out just a couple. He says, it's a flipping struggle. I've not been paid since April. So April to October, I wouldn't have had any source of income from snooker because I get paid after the Northern Ireland Open. I'm working in the club here just to get by. My mum, dad and stepmum have been a godsend the last eight to ten months. It's the stress and strain of it. Obviously, I've not had the best of seasons, but having no income, no money at all, it's really tough. You start playing for money rather than just trying to win the match. And you've got no chance when you're in that mindset. It's been tough. And even says, you know, you start thinking, what's the point? You you know, you control a whole game. You lose 4-3. You've got to drive home. It's the worst car journey ever. You've got nothing. you spent 200, 300 quid, you start thinking, what's the point? What am I doing? I'm 25, trying to save for a house for my girlfriend, and I can't even pay my next car finance, let alone, you know, a mortgage. I felt like I was going backwards and thinking, is this really a life I want to be living? I mean, that is so illuminating, isn't it? And without wishing to be sort of do down the sport that we love, uh, last thing I want to do, it, 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 it reminds you that... The, there's only a certain level of financing in snooker. This is not golf or tennis. You know, that these are uh, a very ordinary men and, and women that, that have at times ordinary incomes. And we really should try and bear that in mind, shouldn't we? Because the, the guys at the top of the game, they earn superstar money. They, they earn, you know, they're millionaires. But you go down the rankings, what a different story. Yeah, absolutely. And they're sort of motivated by trying to get to uh, those levels or at least having the odd day day in the sun and earning, earning the odd big prize check. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly it's a real struggle for while you're trying to get there. Um, and, yeah, exactly. I mean, Louis put that perfectly. You know, when you're that age, you've got, um, you've got all the ambition in the world in your own sport, but you've got to think about how, what's the sensible option, you know. Do you keep – how long do you keep plugging away hoping to uh, to – earn properly um because yeah it's 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 not just like not brilliantly paid it's very badly paid if you're not earning anything for a long time but you know he has seen it i think his first year on so i think that that year he won rookie of the year into about 40 grand so that's great um and that will keep you going but um yeah it, you can see why these players are sort of conflicted you're thinking about there's another line in that where he said he's playing milkins at the uk and he'd worked out that winning that match would cover his tax bill that was coming up in January. Mm. But he's thinking about that and he's mad. And then there's something in the back of your mind saying, shall I even be playing snookers because I should have just go and get a more stable job? You know, there's so much going on for these guys. So, um, 
yeah, it makes you want to root for them. That's for sure. You feel um, definitely. I think anyone will, who have read that piece will uh, probably be rooting for Louis next time they see him on the TV. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and he says about the, the the new guarantee payment. It's brilliant. People have mixed opinions. For me personally, it's a weight lifted off my shoulders. I've been going to matches thinking if I win this, I can pay for something. I don't have to do that anymore. The news is a massive step in the right direction. You've got to be careful and budget because you have got to pay it back. But it's a weight off people's shoulders. So, yeah, excellent piece from, from you, Phil, and a real, real illuminating look at life at the, the sort of sharper end of tour, the tour. Well, we're not going to be around uh, too much longer. We, uh, we're not even at the hour mark yet, Phil. I mean, this Ooh. is, you know, we're rel- relatively short uh, in, in, in terms of this podcast. We've had a couple of marathons, of course, lately. Goodness, two hours 44 with Neil, our longest individual episode ever. Not countdown Christmas special with, with Dave lo- lo- at the end of last year. We must move on and say, Phil, Congratulations to the team uh, at Talking Bulls, uh, Michael Wright uh, and Lee McAllister. Uh, they've announced a farewell uh, to the podcast scene. And uh, we understand, because we know how hard it is to get a weekly pod out, we really do, with, 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 with busy lives that, that we all have. And But we should toast them for their efforts. You know, it's a, it's been a really, really fine effort. And at times, you know, real newsmaker. I think never more so than when Neil Robertson was on. I mean, let, let's be clear. Their interview with Neil talking at length about the Crucible, the format, you know, his thoughts about why he's not doing well, that set the agenda. I think I was did during a quiet time, maybe in sort of between tournaments. And, you know, we all sort of jumped on the back of that and got some great copy and some great audio out of that. So it's thanks to them. They've really done well. And, uh, you know, hats off. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, they've done some great stuff. Um, th- yeah, that Neil one stands up. I was listening to that. Stands out, sorry. Um, I was listening to that one with Graham Dot um, very recently, just a few days ago, and that was excellent. Um, they've done loads, too many to go through, but yeah, they're um, brilliant stuff. And, you know, they were sort of doing it relatively from scratch, I think. You know, we've sort of got some journalistic connections that we lent on to get guests on here and stuff, but um, they've got some great guests on, and hats off to them. Um, they'll certainly be missed on, uh, on the snooker podcast scene. I know there's sort of a few knocking around now, but theirs was very, very good, so... Um, I don't know if they ruled out ever making a, an appearance in the future, but um, it was sad to see. It's sad to see that was coming to an end for now. Um, and yeah, well done for what they did because I thought I thought it was great. No, I'm sure they can definitely come back um, if they want to, but for, certainly for now, it, you know, they are saying uh, a fond farewell and our congratulations go to them. I have to say, um, you're right about that. About you know us having that that extra advantage of, of, of the connections and the fact that we, you know, we go to events and we know some of the players a bit, but, you know, isn't that testament to snooker again, that, that, that they are sort of have that sort of stat, you know, standing star, not, you know, I know they would, they would have connections, of course. I mean, I know, you know they both adore snooker. Lee particularly, you know, lives, lives and breathes the sport. And he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, it, it just shows people like, you know, Graham Dot, former world champion, Neil Robertson, and going on for so, so long as well. And, you know, Marathon, lucky, lucky did with us. And uh, it just shows, you know, that they're, they're so amenable. You know, if you had a stat, well, even if you had a journalistic connections and, and you started a golf podcast, good luck. You'll be doing a lot of talking and you wouldn't, and I'm, I'm not trying to be do, do, do down golf too much, but you wouldn't have guests very often. 
And if you had guess, they'd be bloody plugging something every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, true, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an air quotes, bigger sport golf, but you know what I mean? It's, um, we're, we're lucky. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They're, everyone's very uh, accessible and very generous with their time. And yeah, um, it makes our jobs a lot easier than it would be in, uh, in other sports. You know, we don't have to sit with um, players representatives or media officers or anything telling them that they shouldn't say certain things or anything you know it's all yeah it's all very good so um but yeah even so even even with it being relatively accessible you know it's, it takes some do to get neil robertson on your podcast uh um as those guys did uh long before we did so yeah um again yeah congratulations and well done for everything they did absolutely um bit of a mere culpa for me um didn't have very good audio last week and that, that was my fault. I don't know quite what happened with the settings of, of my microphone, but um, they mysteriously had, had, had turned to a, a lower setting than I would have liked, so it wasn't very good. And, I, and, I, and I've definitely been quite a frantic checker during this episode, Phil, and hopefully it's holding up. But we must thank you, just say thank you to Stuart Laws. So I know you you know a bit, you know his work. Well, we got to know him at, you know, a bit when he, when he uh, produced a podcast that we're going to be appearing on aren't we with uh, with our friend Steve Dunn hopefully coming up at some stage well Stuart very kindly improved the audio so if you if you if you might not have seen it, it's gone out again last week's episode I uh, went out a few days later than the than the really disappointing uh, episode in audio wise so if you want to listen again to our your views you're more than welcome but a bit of wizardry from Stuart and uh, some guys have all the luck Bill brilliant a brilliant comedian, top producer, you know, can clean up someone else's audio. It's a bloody impressive way to go from Stuart. <laughs> yeah, superb. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you were struggling, listen to that one. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't horrific, but it wasn't as good as normal. So uh, if you were struggling with the listening experience there, it's there again to listen to. But, yeah, Stuart Laws deserves, deserves a plug for his work there. He's, uh, he's very funny. If you want to find him on Twitter, he just... Uh, uh, is well worth a follow, and he uh, you may well be playing some stand up gigs near you at some point. So uh, he's earned his plug there. Keep an eye out for him. <laughs> Indeed, I know he's he's got a tremendous following on Twitter, and people sort of really enjoy his work on there on 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 social media. Well, I think we're ticking towards any other business time, and the nine hundred, which you you mentioned uh, last time, is getting underway. They've got a hell, hell of a good presenting and uh, and punditry team, haven't they? Together. Uh, for that and uh, you know Jason Francis behind the event we, we of course wish it well that's getting underway and some uh, some 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 familiar names will be in action on the table as well yeah yeah it's uh, this interesting new uh, uh, venture in amateur snooker uh, starts at 3pm on Tuesday and then um, on Tuesday night as well and Wednesday night and then it's on for some weeks so yeah uh, I wrote sort of an explainer piece um giving details about who's playing when they're playing everything so keep an eye out for that it's on tv uh on sporty sporty stuff tv that's what it's called uh which is sky 47 got it there yeah um and there's some yeah plenty of recognizable names dennis taylor's playing on the f opening day um had a look at the betting i think michael holt's the favorite because it's sort of shootout style um he's obviously a top amateur player uh in whatever format but because of his his background of the shootout as well but We've got legends like Tony Knowles playing as well. We've got some women players as well. Emma Parker's playing. Um, so, yeah, plenty of recognisable names. Um, and, yeah, just going to be more snooker on TV, which is all good stuff, isn't it? 
Didn't Dennis do a big thing about retiring? I suppose he'll play this. <laughs> he did a bit, didn't he? But he is playing in this. But yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, any other business for you, Phil, or, or, or we shall ever, forever hold, hold our silence for this time? Well, I should mention Q Tour over the weekend as well, the second Q Tour event of the season, which Martin O'Donnell won. Um, one of those players who um, you might assume is a pro, is pro for quite a while, and a very good one, but um, he's got his first uh, win since becoming an amateur. He dropped off tour last season, and it was a very impressive one as well. Um, he beat some really good players on the way, even after Scott from the round of 16 onwards. He beat the Austrian Florian Nuzler. Then he beat Daniel Wells in the quarterfinal in a decider. Uh, he beat Ash Carter, who's played at the Crucible in the semi, having needed two snookers in a deciding frame. Wow. Um, and then he beat George Pragnall 5-1 in the final with um, some great breaks. He made a one three five in the final frame of that. So Martin playing some very good stuff off the tour. Um, and he'll be, he was delighted with that. He tweeted about that. He was very pleased. Um, I mean, this is amateur snooker. Quite, I mean, it is amateur snooker, but... Yeah, I think that that final match, six frames, his his pot success rate was over ninety four percent. So it's incredible stuff. Mm. Um, and shout out to George Pragnall. He's not a player I know much about really, um, but he's reached both finals so far on Q Tour. Uh, lost them both, but two finals, very very impressive. So shout out to him. Um, yeah, they're very difficult things to win these. Um, I know we were sort of expecting. Yeah, Michael Holt mentioned there. He's shown how tough it is. He went out in his first game to. Uh, Liam Graham and he um, had a look at his game Holt, Holt was 2-0 up he made two half centuries must have been feeling good looking good um, and then he lost 3-2 so that's how tough it is um, but yeah we've had two of these now I think there's is there four more to go I think there's six Q Tour events sorry if that's wrong but some of, them to Belgium, was, some of them are overseas aren't they yes they're heading to Belgium heading to Sweden as well which is interesting um, but yeah interesting to keep an eye on Um and yeah, congratulations to Martin, who will be delighted with that win. Yeah, I, I noticed Michael Holt, uh, as we know, is quite self-deprecating. Generally, so I've never had a nerve, or so I've never had nerve, or something to that effect um, about about that defeat. Yeah, Martin O'Donnell is one of those guys when he's in form and flowing. You think, God, what? Why? Why doesn't he do better? But then yeah, it's all about that consistency, and we we must have yeah, congratulations. That's a, that's a, a very nice run he had there, and a very fine victory. Well, overall, Phil, let's finish up maybe by saying that uh, we're just looking forward to the two events so much. We, we know you will be out there as well. The World Mixed Doubles, followed by the British Open, both live on ITV here in the UK, both in Milton Keynes, two very contrasting events, two excellent events. And as I said already, let's just, you know, results are very important. Who wins is vital. But I think there's almost that feeling we're heading into the autumn now. Nights are you know, inexorably drawing in. It's getting towards snooker weather. Let's really get right into the season proper now and, and, and embrace what's coming up. Yeah, definitely. And it'd be nice. Uh, hopefully there's a nice dramatic final on Sunday and it's a memorable one. And then, you know, you don't have that problem like, oh, when's the next snooker on? And, oh, it's not for three weeks or, you know, it's been even longer than that recently. You know, it'll be on straight away the next day with a big tournament starting again. So, and lots of big names playing. So, yeah. Um, let's get some momentum going now, which I think is what the season lacks just so far. So, yeah, um, looking forward to it very much. So. Oh, I hope Rod Studd's uh, uh, not listening. He can't stand the word momentum. He, he thinks it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as momentum in sport, says our friend Rod. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I agree with him there, but <laughs> yeah, um, he does have very strong opinions about things like that, doesn't he? I was delighted to meet up with Rod for the first time. Like, I, I said this on here before, but in a lovely way, in an affectionate way, I say this. It was he, he was a walking, talking manifestation of his tweets. It, it was brilliant, and um, and he was on great form. Uh, who's the darts chap? Is it Wayne, Wayne Mardle? Wayne Mardle, yeah. Uh, no, I was the one that was there, not you, but I'm still asking you. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they were both on great form together. And, uh, yeah, Rod absolutely insisted. There is no such thing as momentum. It doesn't exist, Nick. He's absolutely adamant. So I thought, another thing, you must never watch the Ryder Cup because we spend the whole week talking about momentum at that event. Anyway, <laughs> let's, um, let, let's maybe uh, depart. And we'll say that we will be back next time uh, to look back at the doubles. That's our next episode. And that'll be the early stages of the British Open. So we'll, we'll be predominantly talking about what, what's happened and the doubles. And there'll be so much to, to reflect on. So we really look forward to that next time. Keep your thoughts coming. Tweet us at Talking Snooker or email talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. Uh, tweet us at Talking Snooker uh, or email at talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. We, we've actually put a, a message up on our, on our uh, Twitter feed at Talking Snooker, as I say about what events you're going to. We've had loads of, of people sort of writing to us, which is great. Maybe I should go to a few of those. Uh, Suzanne Sessler, I'm going to be at the mixed doubles and the first days of the British Open. Curious how the atmosphere will be at the doubles. Competitive for sure, but maybe less tense than at a ranking tournament. And uh, Paul Smith says, have tickets for both the Sunday sessions of the mixed doubles. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Chris Atrill, I have tickets for the Sunday, the mixed doubles, and first two days of the British Open. Might be Atril there. Sorry, Chris, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce your surname there. But you say you're looking forward to it. And that, well, we said it. If you get, well, that's Sunday, Monday and Tuesday coming up. What terrific uh, days you're going to have there. Uh, Samantha Hayden, we're coming for the afternoon semi of the British Open. Looking forward to the autumn nights and lots of snor- uh, snooker viewing. And Daniel Puddicombe, who we who's, um, always got some interesting things to say, says have all day tickets for Sunday for both events. And I'm very much looking forward to witnessing a bit of history in the process in the case of the mixed doubles. Can't wait. That's the feeling among the snooker community and my snooker fans feel. They just can't wait for the action to, to get underway proper and the season to really begin in earnest. So thanks for your company and uh, I'll see you next time, sir. Have a good week. Uh, yeah, I presume your marathon recovery is, uh, has gone well. well how, how, what, what, what's your verdict now? Doing it next time? Uh, well, yeah, we are fine now. Yeah, I mean, you do quickly forget how awful you found it at the time, and there's always there's always talk of doing something similar. So uh, we'll see. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly the bad the bad things fade, and you just remember it being quite good. But I, I I still do remember hating it for a lot of it. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm I'm easily persuaded into things like this. So it depends what my mates are up to. Yes, summers always went on forever when we were children, didn't they? And <laughs> we, we had we had mostly mostly good days. Yeah, you do forget. That's the great thing about the human mind, really. But anyway, let, let's um, not to go too much into Interstellar's chair and stick with talking <laughs> snooker. We'll return next time. Great to see you, Phil. And we'll talk mixed doubles and, and, and Bushish Open. Yeah, always a pleasure. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. Indeed. Enjoy the tournaments. That's what it's all about, folks. And keep in touch with us. The lines are always open. But for now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.